politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen on this fine, rainy Tuesday, October 4th. Those of you who are yearning to fight to regain sovereignty of our life, sovereignty of our property, sovereignty over our humanness. This is your place. If this is your goal, this is certainly my goal, and this is our town hall together here at CR Podcast. Again, you could follow me on Telegram, because I'm kicked off every other platform, at C19 Truth Bombs. And uh, I am on Getter. I don't use it that much. Daniel underscore Hurwitz. Maybe in the future I will use it. Um, Folks, today we're going to have a special show. Today's show is all about one of the many things we can do that we need to do. We talk about engaging on the culture, engaging on the issues, pressuring elected Republicans that are already in red states. But there's one 800-pound gorilla that we have always talked around and that is we could we could talk about this populist movement or a movement against the elites and and the genocide and everything but at the end of the day you need elected representation in some way somewhere somehow that is going to speak for you okay and particularly as we've talked about governors really are the most important thing buttressed by state legislatures sometimes attorneys general matter a lot more than congress does But either way, we have the same problem. The Republican Party is not just a slower version of the left. They literally land you in the same place, perhaps even quicker. Think about the dire straits of the the UK. The UK. They have had Tory governance for 12 years. And they're on the cusp of a nuclear winter with energy. 12 years of Tory control. The Republicans aren't really any better. They're the same thing. You have a handful of people in a handful of places that have no power within the party that get to yelp a little bit here and there. But the ones who ultimately make the decisions of what the party and the movement should be messaging, what bills they'll support, what budget bills they'll support, what fights they'll take on. They're not our people. And at the end of the day, the only way we're ever going to break out of this is if we start electing entirely different people. Polls have shown for a long time, by the way, that if such a party would arise, it would gain the majority of supporters, certainly a plurality. But as I've noted before, there's really two ways to skin this cat. Number one, I think in primaries, if we changed the state laws or sometimes even party laws within the state and went for conventions instead of primaries, we'd be able to elect better people. But today I want to talk about the second half of that. Going for independent candidates in the general election, not accepting the false dichotomy of, oh, the lesser of two evils when they're not lesser. In fact, they use their Republican bona fides to go and get our people to support things they would have never supported. And they grease the skids for the takeover even quicker. This is how you have states like Idaho with endless 
grooming in the public schools. This is how the Idaho Department of Health is indistinguishable from the California Department of Health, even though people are fleeing California to Idaho in droves seeking freedom, but they're not going to get it. We need to break, we need to shoot the hostage of this business that once a Republican wins the general election, a dirtbag that is indistinguishable from the Democrat, you have no choice and you're not allowed to run another candidate. No. The minute we change that, that is the day we gain our freedom. And that's what I want to talk about today with our special guest. First, our sponsor today. Folks, despite what you're told that basically businesses can do whatever they want to you, it's not true. It's only when they're supporting the woke agenda. But when they're actually uh, just trying to run a business, I mean, you could have everything from employees coming up to you and complaining that, the other employees smells, this HR issue, that HR issue, a guy comes in and drag, you have discrimination, wrongful uh, termination suits. Anyone who has a small to mid-sized business knows that HR could kill their business and government compliance could kill their business. Okay, I know a lot of people that have this issue. That's why I recommend Bambi to take this off your plate. Typically, an HR manager could cost sixty to $80,000 a year but for just $99 a month, it's 1200 a year, they will detach a designated HR manager, manager that's available by phone, email, real-time chat to deal with everything from onboarding and terminations to make sure everything runs smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with all the ever-changing and increasing officious regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important PR or HR practices like sending policies, training, and feedback. And again, it's a U.S.-based person. So it's not like you're calling some Indian hotline. It's literally like getting an HR manager, except rather than spending $70,000, $80,000, you're spending... Uh, just twelve hundred a year, and it's it's month to month. So right now, I want you to go to Bambi.com and type in conservative review under podcast. They'll ask you which one you heard it at. Type in conservative re- review when you sign up. It will really help the show as well. It's spelled Bambi B A M B E E dot com. Bambi.com. Type in conservative review to schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi could take off your plate. So, folks, I'm sick of this. I always wondered, is it that the left is so good at what they do? It appears that they're really successful and good at what they do. They think of everything. Or is that we just never tried to fight? We never really had our people on the field crossing swords to where those swords were doing the damage. That we've been led by losers, cowards, grifters, and controlled enemies within for far too long, that not only failed to uproot the premise of the left, but actually legitimize it, all the while pretending to fight it. Right? So it's, it's actually the worst possible combination. Maybe that's why they're so successful. And all the while distracting ourselves with what doesn't matter, or with what downright helps the left advance their agenda. That's the reality. We've never really had our people on the playing field. There's nothing better than going independent. A new party would get, obviously, probably banned and, and labeled immediately. But if, if you just have a loose federation of individuals, they might not necessarily agree on all issues. Some will come from different backgrounds. 
but they run as independent and they recognize that the elites are killing us, that the current mindset is not going to change one iota. They understand particularly as it relates to governors that they need to interpose against federal tyranny. They understand the threat to our food, medicine, and fuel. They understand the transhumanism. Obviously, COVID fascism is going to be a huge IQ test when determining this. Now, it's going to take all shapes and sizes. To me, the important thing is breaking out. And maybe a few of them get 5-10%. But you start doing this more, you change the game. This is the only way we will ever break out of this. As I've mentioned before, ideally, the best candidates would be someone who's not known to the public so much as a right-winger so much. But at this point, I'll take anything, especially in a deep red state, where you don't need to convert so many people over on the other end. I would take an articulate voice that actually mentions, mentions our ideas, taps into our grievances. The people are starving for this if you only gave them another side of the equation. Let me give you an example. I doubt I agree with Tulsi Gabbard on everything, even though she is moving over. And I don't know if I completely trust her. But I'll tell you, if she would run in almost any race with almost any Republican versus a Democrat, and she would run as as, as an independent, I'd probably support her. With few exceptions. Because at least she, on the surface, is speaking to, to some of the issues and gets it. That's the type of thing we need to think about. Are we really going to go through every single election and be like, oh, that's it. That's it. You have this person who loves the vaccine more than the next running. This person who loves Ukraine more than the Democrat running as the Republican. This person who's going to gobble up federal funding for their state and be obsequious to everything they want. This person that's beholden to China and the big business lobbies and the Chamber of Commerce more than the Democrats are. This person who believes that winning issues are losing issues, a.k.a. fighting the groomers, fighting the open borders, somehow a losing issue. Do we really need to settle for that? Okay? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We are never going to change anything. And that's why I believe the time has come to change things by running independent candidates, independent candidates that have some ability to get a message out. Eventually, you see, even in 1992, the the country was ready for it. And if not for some personal kind of goofy flaws and uh, mistakes, Ross Perot could have won that race. Now, obviously, he did have a lot of money. We're not always going to have that. But I'm just telling you, what we're going to have is Republicans will win pretty big, If it's a tsunami or if it's a big win, not clear yet, but they'll win. And they're going to focus on waste of time things. They're never going to focus on, here's what matters, passing standalone bills as a prelude to messaging a budget fight and as a signal for the states where they have full control and the other bodies of government to do that as well. As well as focusing on the budget process within state legislatures. Most things, let me give you an example. Republicans are finally waking up. They're talking about 
asking the government accountability office to investigate China, China buying up farmland. I'm glad they've come to this issue 15 years too late, really more than that. But that's what they'll do. They'll investigate the things that are really important, like vaccine injury. They won't even investigate things like that. They'll investigate China. But you don't need to investigate it. Pass a bill banning Chinese from owning land, period. Done. Oh, well, Daniel, they don't have uh, 60 votes in the Senate and the presidency. Well, put it in the budget bill. And moreover, encourage the states to do it. Let the states do it. And by the way, as we're going to talk about with our guest, a big part of the issue is federal land. The feds control most of the land out west. That needs to be sold back to the states. That needs to be a big, big action item, and I'm not seeing much in Congress about that. That is a huge, huge issue, and we're going to talk about with uh, Ammon Bundy, who, as you well know, is uh, a victim of that federal control there. But my point is, they might even focus on impeachment. They're talking about impeaching Mayorkas. Impeachment is a waste of time. You'll never have the votes in the Senate. It sucks things into one guy. I'd rather you just defund refugee resettlement and, and then seating illegal aliens to the border in the budget bill. Rather than a standalone thing that's just a, it's just a publicity stunt. It's the same thing with Fauci. It's not about Fauci. It's about the whole biomedical state. It's about passing civil rights. It's about banning funding for Pfizer. It's not about cutting Fauci's salary or something. It's just not what it... All that stuff is okay if it's a prelude to something bigger. But that's what they're going to waste our time with. And meanwhile, the left will march on inexorably and tighten that noose around us on every issue that matters. And that's on a good day. On a bad day, they're going to downright do things to further the left's agenda. We got to change the game. And if it's too late this election cycle, then at least let's work on it for next election cycle. But we got to break out of this paradigm. I'm just telling you, just the message of fielding as a standard an independent candidate of varying qualities it, against rhinos, starting with governors, but you could do it in many ways. It would change the entire landscape, the way people look at politics, the messaging. Break free of the baggage of the Republican Party, and it offers you nothing. This is what people don't understand. The Republican Party is not the slow roll to socialism, as people often say. No. They, they work in tandem with the, with the left. They are an inescapably significant, indispensable portion of the left's political apparatus. They need them as cover to fake fight something while ensuring that it goes through. Because without them, the people would be outraged. Look at what the people in power are doing. We need something new. So Republicans fill the vacuum of opposition Oh, look, Republicans are taking care of it. And superficially, you turn on Fox and said they're yelping about Mayorkas, yelping about Fauci even, yelping about Biden. Oh, you see, so there's two sides to it. Oh, they're going to get in there and deal with Biden. And then if you look carefully, they're not. And actually, I don't have time to get into today, but, but Kevin McCarthy is fighting the Freedom Caucus on certain House rules, a rules package, the way the House runs, because he doesn't want conservatives to 
box him in, to force him into fights. He wants this comfort zone where he could fake message things, all the while ensuring that nothing meaningful actually happens. I want that to change. I want that to change. And that's where we're going to get to our new guest um, today. Our interview segment is sponsored by Raycon. I've gotten a little bit more into music lately. It calms me down. And it's a good way to take a breather from screen time. But I always hate having things in my ears. I mean, Maybe it's a sensory issue. The same reason why I don't wear a watch. But Raycon's wireless earbuds, they, they feel perfect. They almost It's almost like it's meant to be part of your ear. <laughs> That's a shout out to transhumanism there. But uh, optimized, their optimized gel tips have the perfect in-ear fit. They're so comfortable. They don't budge. And the quality of the sound is amazing. They give you eight hours of playtime, 32 hour, hour, hours of battery life. And the biggest thing is that you get the quality audio of the brand names for half the price of the other premium audio brands. It's no wonder why Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Um, and they have a noise isolation mode and an awareness mode, which, by the way, is very important, the awareness mode. Because too many people walk down the street with earbuds on and you're not aware of your surroundings and increasingly where where I live, that's where you get the carjackings, the knockouts. They actually have a term for it. They call it apple picking when they knock out people that are on some sort of Apple device. So uh, they have three customizable uh, sound profiles as well. So it's really fun to work with to see uh, what, how to make it in tune with your ears. Go to buyraycon.com slash conservative today. Use my promo code conservative to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash conservative. Promo code conservative, 15% off. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash conservative. Offer code conservative. So folks, where do we have opportunities to break through with clarity, with intrepid ideology, really stand above this duopoly. Where do we have that opportunity? I wanted to do this in Pennsylvania with, uh, obviously, the Grand Pasha, Wizard of Oz, running there. Now, all of a sudden, he's a big conservative hero. Again, just because I don't want Fetterman, so let's have the next Mitt Romney, who will have negative, negative efficacy in the Senate, just like the COVID shots. But... As I noted, governor is even more important. So we didn't get that off the ground in Pennsylvania. But we do have a place that is very important, and that's Idaho. Idaho, as I've noted, is very important. There's a lot of people from California moving there. It's a beautiful state. It's got a lot of resources. It's got some great conservatives, particularly in the northern part of the state. There's a whole movement. We've indulged the movement. We've had its leaders on the show before of greater Idaho, uh, parts of eastern Oregon wanting to break off. But in order to have a greater Idaho, you need to have an Idaho. You need to have the main part of the state that actually is red. And in many respects, Idaho is the embodiment of what we've been talking about for so long. You look at everything that Governor DeSantis has done. And until recently, that was, that was a 50-50 state. Okay, now maybe it's a plus three, plus five state. You go to Idaho, and Republicans win by 25, 30 points there. Yet none of what DeSantis is doing even gets off the ground there. Whether it's the grooming in the schools, which seems to be a huge problem. Whether it's the COVID fascism. Whether it's the land use. Whether it's being obsequious to every federal program that makes the state dependent on it. 
there is not a single issue where the state really appears to be red. Well, Brad Little wound up winning the primary, and he won it pretty handily. And I'm telling you, I've worked primaries for 15 years. It's one in 100 that you win. They, they, they control the party, and, and you cannot win for a number of reasons. What if you offered people a fresh break? Well, Ammon Bundy is looking to do just that. Uh, obviously, he's familiar to almost all of you uh, from the fight he had with the feds, stealing his family ranch from his, his dad, Cliven, back in 2014 in Clark County, Nevada. Uh, it's, it's funny, you know, before we had Black Lives Matter, we had the, the original BLM was the Bureau of Land Management, and they were doing the same thing. They were riding and looting on his property. They were shooting cattle out of helicopters. I mean, this is what they do. And, and, and in many ways, Ammon was really ahead of his time, ahead of all of us. I don't think we quite realized what our government was capable of. We had this false superficial patriotism that we thought, oh, okay, it's some bureaucrats that needs to be fixed. We didn't realize how systemically broken it was. He spent some time in jail fighting for the Hammond family during that whole Oregon fight, the fight in uh, uh, Harney County, Oregon, when uh, he, he actually spent time, he and his brother spent time in jail. His brother was shot. A friend of his was killed by the feds for a legal case of adverse possession where they took control of a federal land um, in order to draw attention to what was going on there with the land grabs and the land use and uh, destroying the water resources. And he was ultimately completely acquitted. Uh, it's been fairly fairly recently that he got out of legal trouble. Ammon has laid it on the line. He's laid it on the line before a lot of other people have. You go to his website, votebundy.com, and you'll see a comprehensive list of ideas, of uh, policy positions that you don't see in a typical candidate. And he's talking about COVID fascism. He's talking about the grooming in his schools. He's talking about federal land use, these issues that matter. And he is running as an independent. We can't just say, oh, Janice McGeehan lost. That's it. It's better him than the, than the Democrat. That is nonsense. He is indistinguishable. It's time we stop settling, settling for this. Look at the results of two generations of voting for the lesser of two evils when it's not even the lesser of two evils. And aside from the fact that the Democrats have a hard time winning in, in Idaho anyway, so this is a good state to try this, with us to discuss Idaho, but not just Idaho, but this entire idea of running real people who stand for real values, who stand for our values as independents, being truly independent from the system, is Ammon himself. Hey, Ammon, I know I owed you this interview, interview for a long time, but better late than never. Thanks for joining us for the first time at Blaze Media today. Yeah, I'm excited, Daniel. Thanks for having me on, and I think you're hitting it right on. So, yeah, I mean, we covered the main points, but let's start with Brad Little. So a lot of people, even people who understand that these guys don't really fight for us, they look at a general election and they say, well, look, you know, I, I want to make sure that we don't split the vote and that the Democrat doesn't win. So it's more important to just so-called hold your nose and vote for Brad Little. He's got to be a little bit better than the Democrat. And then we'll fight next time. What do you say to people who say that? Well, I say that Brad Little is leading Idaho right into uh, a, a new, the new Oregon. And I really don't want to change our name uh, from Idaho to New Oregon. I'd like to keep Idaho and keep Idaho and its conservative principles 
so that we have a place to live and we play, have a place to worship and raise our families. And uh, Brad Little is literally doing the exact same things that Oregon and Washington, um, California, Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada, and recently uh, Colorado, if I didn't say that already, uh, did. And, uh, and, you know, we need to stop him. He is uh, not a Republican. He is nothing short of just another Democrat with a liberal uh, agenda. And uh, I, I mean, I could give you direct statistics. I could give you direct facts to show you. Let, that, let's uh, start with COVID. Is. Let's start with COVID. The way the Overton window moves is that they look at California and New York and on a superficial level they say, oh, well, we didn't do that here in Idaho. We didn't have a shutdown. Describe a little bit about what happened in Idaho and, and the extent to which uh, Brad Little buys into the biomedical state. Yeah, so Brad Little just, uh, he was the first governor of all 50 states to outlaw the use of hydroxychloroquine uh, for COVID. Uh, and we know that now that was a very beneficial remedy for COVID. And he was the first governor of all 50 states to outlaw for the use of COVID. Uh, Idaho was also the first state to arrest pastors for having church outside uh, the, uh, in opposition yes. to Governor Little's lockdown orders. Idaho was the first state to arrest mothers for taking their children to the park. Uh, uh, Idaho State Police were raiding businesses for not uh, obeying Governor Little's lockdown orders. I mean, and why were they acting this way? Why were police acting this way? Because Governor Little ordered them to. Uh, this was his order was just like Washington and just like Oregon and just like California's stay-at-home orders. The only difference is the people of Idaho didn't comply. And so that's why it was much more free in Idaho. It, it wasn't because Governor Little didn't try. It, so when I look at Governor Little, and, and, and I remember those cases vividly, the woman in Meridian uh, being arrested at a playground, has has Little ever apologized, acknowledged that it was dumb, it was wrong, it was short-sighted, the stuff didn't work, it was all pain and no gain, masking children was immoral and, and inhumane and, and just illogical? Did, did Has he ever recognized it or just kind of wants to move on? No, in fact, it's just been the opposite. Um, and just so you know, the mother who was arrested in the park, her name's Sarah Brady, she is still today being prosecuted by the state. Wow. She has never had the opportunity to have a trial. And I talked to her uh, two Sundays ago, and she, uh, her legal bills are over $26,000. And her, her husband is a Boise uh, police detective, so it's not like, you know, uh, they don't know the inside and have connections. Sure. Uh, this is simply an assault on uh, the rights of people in, in Idaho, and she is part of that. Uh, now, you know, your question is a great question because he has he ever apologized or has he ever kind of, you know, said, I, I kind of made the wrong decisions, I had the wrong information and made wrong decisions? The answer is no. In fact, He's just doubling down and flat out lying to the people of Idaho because of the election. On March 8, 2022, he says, uh, I kept Idaho open, banned vaccine passports, never issued mandates for vaccines or masks. Then he goes on in this press release and says, emergency declaration never violated or restricted any rights of Idaho, never put Idaho on lockdown, 
and never allowed for mandates for masks or vaccines. These are the facts. And yet we have pastors in Idaho being arrested for having organizing church outside. We have mothers being arrested for going to the park with their children. We have business owners. Thousands of businesses were categorized as non-essential and put out of business never to open their doors again. Hundreds of people were arrested for not wearing masks and trying to attend uh, public meetings. Um, and it's still going on today, still today. Wow, you know, it reminds me of Texas as well. I was just dealing with this morning a hero doctor that has saved the lives of hundreds of people. Uh, he was an ear, nose, throat doctor. Didn't have to be doing this. He was a specialist, but he treated COVID. And rather than winning a, a governor's medal in Austin, you have the medical board that's going to take away his license because he didn't wear a mask two years ago when the order was uh uh, promulgated and he's still in hot water. I mean, this is this is the state of red states. I mean, we're not talking about okay, they're not super social conservative, they're not super fiscal conservative. Okay, it's better than nothing. No, these are these are states that fully embraced the most extreme new policies of the left and will the next one, the next current hotness as well. So, you know. I don't think you need to convince this audience that you're the better one ideologically. We're not going to focus as much on the typical candidate interview because you bring a very different background than other people do. And I want to get to some of this. But the 800-pound gorilla in the room is this. Nobody seems to be able to pull off independent runs. So so typically, you know, okay, so the Democrats will, will vote for, for the Democrat. They'll get their, you know, 33 35% or whatever. But what, what I find is this. Here's, here's what I find, and, and I want to know if you have a strategy for this. The, the problem is, as much as I passionately could argue against it, th- by definition, the strongest elements of the, uh, of the conservative base, more than anyone, they are, they are very fearful of the Democrats, right? And, and, the, and the rhinos feast off of that. So they join with the Democrats left and right. And then when it comes time for the general election, like, you better not allow the, the Democrats to win. Do you want the Democrats to win? Do you want the Democrats to win? So because <laughs> yeah. of that, what happens is typically you start with your base and then you try to expand out from there. But by definition, the str- people the most inclined to agree with you, a lot of them, are just to be like, look, look, I just got to hold my nose. You know, we can't let the Democrats win. That type of thing. How do you break through that in Idaho and elsewhere? Yeah, that's a great question um, because it is the problem that we are facing. Uh, a, you know, a huge problem because it really doesn't matter if Brad Little or the Democrat nominee gets in office. The same agenda is going to be pushed, and um, and the the good people of Idaho just are not realizing uh, that or just starting to realize that. Uh, And good, good example of that is yesterday, the uh, Idaho GOP actually issued a press release. You know that there's been a takeover where the conservative people of Idaho have actually taken back over the party. Yep. Dorothy Dorothy Moon. Moon Sure. And she wrote a scathing uh, press release coming from the party, uh, just condemning, all of these people like Fred Martin, uh, who are now actually endorsing Democrat candidates uh, who yes. are, you know, terrible people when it comes to the sexualization of our children, abortion, their policies. Uh, she calls out Jim Jones, who is a Supreme Court justice who does, you know, claims he's a Republican. She calls out uh, Ben 
Nishira, who's also, you know, been in office in the Republican Party and, and basically does not. All of these people uh, who claim to be Republicans and who are significant people in the Republican Party and candidates uh, who who are, you know, promoting and endorsing Democrats and liberal agendas, uh, she's calling them out and saying, look, if we're going to save our party and, and get back to doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is protecting you know, the liberty and, and putting forth uh, good policies in Idaho, we've got a clean house. And, uh, and as you mentioned, what happens is, is all the conservative candidates get caught underneath the uh, Republican Party in the primaries, and, and then the, the rhinos who are controlling and have been controlling the party in Idaho and, many, and almost every other party across the state, they, they eliminate the true conservative candidate in the primary, and then their guy is the only one left, and then they uh, get yep. people to be afraid of the Democrat and vote for them, even though they're, they're, their policies are very much the same. Well, we saw that clear back in August of 2021 and said, you know what, we began to uh, fill and, and see what, what is happening because I was running as a Republican candidate. And so before the deadline, we jumped out uh, and I've been running as an unaffiliated ever since, knowing that we needed to give the people of Idaho a choice in the general election. Yep. And what's happened in Idaho, just give you some, some breakdown of why we're very hopeful is because uh, we have seen uh, that the Republican base is tired of rhinos. And I think COVID brought that up. And so we see that, and the, the Republican primary shows this, that almost half of the people in the Republican Party did And they... We, we believe and have good evidence and our polling shows that those people are still not going to vote for Brad Little. So that would make, that's what makes this a lot different. I'm an independent candidate with a huge support of Republicans uh, that are going to vote for me and not for just the nominee. Now, to ease the mind of a lot of other you know Republicans out there that want a conservative, not just another rhino, uh, I'll give you some numbers here. There's 136 registered Democrats in Idaho. Uh, we have a, a million voters, just shy of a million voters, about 566,000 uh, Republicans, 310,000 unaffiliated voters. And so when you put uh, the Democrat voter, voters, registered voters, with the liberal voters that are in the unaffiliated category, because there's a lot of them that hang out there, uh, you still can't reach the 300,000 mark that they need to, to win. Yeah. It's just they're not even close to that. So we're going to see a race between Governor Little and myself of who can get to that 300,000, 310,000 uh, mark, and that is who will win. And so statistically, it's just almost impossible. It is impossible for the Democrats to win this race. Uh, exactly. And and it's just not something that the Republican base should should worry about. And and it is you'll hear this over and over from the rhinos uh, because they're trying to scare the Republicans into voting for them again. Uh, and I hope that, that the good conservative Republican people 
in the Republican Party will not fall for that. No, what you're saying reverberates across the nation because this should be one of the biggest items that national conservatives need to focus on, that particularly in the western Great Plains states, sometimes the southern states, the Democrat Party is not really much of a player. We're not talking about Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, where, you know, it's a very thin margin, a swing state. So the de- Democrats aren't much of a pl- factor. You have these Republicans where they have super majorities. You think about South Dakota and Wyoming. Wyoming, they have like a 32 to 3 majority in the state Senate. But what they do then is it's not even like they're weak Republicans. Like you noted, they're literally Democrats. They're literally Democrats. And, and, and when they get defeated, the proof is in the pudding because then they'll actually endorse the Democrats, even though they'll say you have to support them in order to defeat the Democrat. But they're literally Democrats. They use the, the gun and life issues, you know, and I hate those two issues, even though I'm obviously strongly pro-gun, pro-life. But they're used, you know, very superficially in those states to attract support. And they have a lot of money. They have more money. They get in there. And then that's how you have a permanent leftist majority under the guise of a GOP supermajority in all these states. And if you don't dislodge this, we're not going to be able to enjoy our strongest red states. You know, I mean, what you're doing needs to be done in the Dakotas. It needs to be done in Wyoming. I mean, the governor there is is kind of similar to Brad Little. And um, but I think you you come with a lot of name idea, a lot of support, um, a lot of energy. And, and like you noted, in these states, you know, let, let me – I'm not saying you're wrong, but let me just be even a little bit more cautious. Let's say there's even a 15 20 percent chance the Democrat could win under a certain scenario with a, a, a three-person race. But at some point, you have to be willing to trade that for a virtually 100 percent chance you're going to get the same stuff anyway – and you got to be willing to break out of that. Do I have the gist correctly in terms of what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right on. And because ultimately what it comes down to, Daniel, is, is losing Idaho. And that, you know, we, we will, all these states like Oregon, which was ultra-conservative, Washington, ultra-conservative state, they lost their state when the Republicans were in, in control. Yes. And why? Because they weren't truly Republican. They they knew that they couldn't win or get into office in certain districts. They knew they couldn't control the legislature or the you know, the governor's office or the Senate uh, being just Democrats. They knew that the good people of those states would not, you know, vote for them if they had a D next to their name. So they basically went in and espoused uh, uh, that they were Republicans and but they never were. They never were. Because what is, to me, what is a Republican? Someone who opposes uh, large government, uh, opposes uh, uh, fiscal irresponsibility in government, uh, opposes uh, government being able to just do whatever they want to do, uh, someone who opposes abortion. And these people do not. And I, you know, I typically would, don't like to read when I'm on an interview, but I've got to read this this uh, sentence from the from uh, the uh, press release from Dorothy Moon coming from the Idaho Republican Party. So bear with me. It says, after 10 years of meddling service in the state Senate, Fred Martin was defended, defeated in this year's primary. And so he was in he was a Republican. For yeah, he, he was the Senate Health Committee chair that supported all of the Pfizer fascism and, you know, every bit of that. Yeah. So she goes on and says, 
now he has decided to publicly confirm what many of uh, his own voters have long suspected by endorsing a Democrat for his former seat. Never mind that that Democrat was once his opponent. Never mind that that Democrat believes abortion on the uh, on demand after Martin Martin has long claimed to be pro-life. Never mind that the Democrat is a member of the party seeking to sexualize Idaho children after Martin has long claimed to be pro-family. This is just a perfect example of what's been going on in in, in the Republican Party and, and not just in Idaho. No, exactly. And and that's the thing. As bad as Mitch McConnell is, they're not even Mitch McConnell types. I mean, they're literally Democrats. And this has become a huge, huge problem. Like I said, I mean, if, if DeSantis could accomplish what he did in Florida, you should easily have 15 other states and certainly 10, 12 that you could just own. Um, but but we don't. And and that's what I want to get to is interposition. I mean, ultimately, we know what needs to happen. The states um, the states are our only bulwark doctrine of lower magistrate to push back against all this federal tyranny. I want to talk about the land issue. That's obviously near and dear to your heart. You lived it. You were jailed for it. Um, you know, a lot of our audience is familiar with the healthcare fascism. The government has controlled, manipulated healthcare, Medicare, Medicaid, the insurance subsidies, uh, everything that has just made healthcare a dumpster fire, created this artificial monopoly. Well, you have that with land now where basically it seems like Bill Gates is buying up the farmland. You have very few independent farmers left. And now we have a food crisis, um, which seems to be done by design, and they're all too enthusiastic about it and what that means. What do you think is the cause of it, and how do we get out of it? And how, do this, how does this tie back to the whole land use and federal ownership issue? And what do you think you could do as governor of Idaho to help help us all out nationally? So... We have a uh, seriously uh, unholy alliance between those who love and are seeking for power, and it doesn't matter if they're Democrats or Republicans, uh, between them and the uh, global environmentalists. And that's where this is coming from. And the global environmentalists is, you know, it's not just an ideology, it's a theology, and they believe completely different from the Judeo-Christian beliefs where God created the earth and he created it for man use and to benefit and to care for and to multiply and replenish. Uh, Their policy is a no-use policy because man, to them, is an invasive species that they have to restrict so that they don't become uh, detrimental to all the other species, if you will. Complete different theology than what we believe as Christians. And they've aligned with each other to stop mankind from using the earth, from benefiting from it. And it's a very when you really uncover everything and boil it down, it's a wicked, Satanistic uh, ideology or theology uh, to actually create you know, a tremendous amount of har- hardship and harm and to depopulate and to do many things that are very, very terrible when it comes to mankind. And so we have to stop this. And, and so that's, a, that's quite a mouthful, and I said a lot there, but then let's go to Idaho. Well, Idaho is now 61% federally controlled, meaning the federal government controls 61% of our land in Idaho and 72% of our subsurface mineral rights. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea of on the, in the Western United States, uh, the Western United States, uh, the Western United States is 51% federally controlled. And east of the Colorado Rockies, the eastern states are only 2.4% federally controlled. Because the federal government see, 
saw a whole bunch of land in the West that was unclaimed, meaning it hadn't been appropriated or adjudicated into, into the people's hands. And so they came in and claimed it on top of the state, completely unconstitutional. But what it's causing is it's causing several, several problems in Idaho. And number one is Idaho hasn't been able to pay its own bills in the last 38 years. Uh, we've had to go back to the federal government and get over, over a third of our budget from them so that we can pay our own bills. And we ask, well, why? Well, because we can't benefit from uh, things like cobalt or our mm. forests or natural gas because the federal government claims it, and then they're the ones that are selling it and allowing people to mine it. They're bringing in, like, Australian mining companies to mine our cobalt. The mining companies making billions of dollars. The federal government's making billions of dollars. And Idaho is getting almost nothing, and we have to go back to the federal government and beg to pay our own bills, beg for money to pay our own bills, and they give it to us every year, but with heavy strings attached to them. Strings that force common core and critical race theory in our schools, strings that attach, uh, that are attached to force, um, uh, use of force policies in our policing agencies coming from the federal government. Uh, Our counties are adopting uh, UN and, and federal building codes in our little counties because they're agreeing to it by taking federal money. And it's putting the state into what uh, the founders called undue obedience. And so if we we're going to be independent, we have to take back this land so that we can pay our own bills. And that's just one of the problems uh, that is that 61% of the land control, federal land control in Idaho is causing. So how do you, how do you deal with this as governor? You just say, hey, this belongs to Idaho, and we're going to start using the land, whether it's the timber, whether it's the minerals in concert with what we believe is beneficial to the state. Is that what you do? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some, you know, legal strategy that you have to take there. But ultimately, when you boil it down, yeah, that's what you do. Because uh, what's been happening uh, in the, for the last four or five decades is, you know, these families, like my family in Nevada, we're, we have rights to the land. We have deeds to the land. They're needed with the state of Nevada. And the federal government comes along and says, well, it belongs to us. And uh, so they try to crush us. And they've done this to loggers, ranchers, you know, miners, uh, hunters, hikers, you know, campers, and, and just anybody who uses the land, even private landowners. And it's always been a battle between the federal government and Clive and Bundy at all, right? And and the federal government with all its resources and legal powers and its army and in public, uh, you know, political influence comes and just crushes this family. Well, that's not the way it was supposed to be. The state is supposed to stand between the, these families and the individuals and the federal government. But they're too afraid to because they're afraid to bite the hand that's feeding them. And uh, as governor, I plan on fighting that battle. I you know, I understand where the true wealth comes from. It comes from using the land and resources, our own land and resources. And if we fight this battle and win, we'll have more than enough money to pay our own bills, yep. and the people will prosper. But whatever you see federal control, you see pr- so-called private monopolies. And that's where you get the Bill Gateses, the Chinese-owned companies, um, and, and the boxing out of individual American landowners. And, and that's not just a, a fairness issue anymore and a land rights issue. It's become a food security issue 
um, and and a resource scarcity issue, which seems to be what they want. Um, moving on to education, why is it that Idaho seems to be saturated, especially in Boise, with this um, sexual identity stuff and this licentious agenda in the schools elsewhere? And I'm assuming Brad Little hasn't commented on it. Well, Brad Little, back in 2000, in the early 2000s, when he was a senator, was the only state representative in Idaho to um, to uh, support gay marriage. And wow, you know, I think he showed us uh, his true colors clear back then and who he was. And now, as you know, uh, he's deeply infiltrated, or I would say, aligned with IAC. Um, in Idaho. Uh, in fact, he was a, a president of the IACI board for a while. And IACI is clear full of a whole bunch of corporations that have completely gone woke. Uh, and they are supporting this. Uh, and, and they're the ones that have sponsored the Boise uh, Pride Festival. And these very same corporations are the primary donors for uh, Brad Little's campaign. Uh, I'm talking about maximizing the amount of each corporation can donate to, to Brad Little's campaign. And so there's this, again, this, you know, this collusion of basically woke uh, corporations, gay ideology, Brad Little, IACI, and they're all controlled. They're controlling the, you know, the yes. Idaho government and, and the direction of, of Idaho. Wow. I mean, th- that's that's scary because, again, that demonstrates he's to the left of even someone like uh, Greg Abbott. I mean, these guys are literally in another state. They'd be Democrats. So he's it's not just that he's d- doesn't want to stand up to the agenda. You're saying he's part of that whole corporate crowd that is in bed with them that pushes this. He supported this stuff before it was even popular. So so even some of the consensus issues, he's on the other side. Um I want to move on to a very important issue, and there's nobody better to have this discussion with than you. You know, for years, I've been a big law and order guy. I've been a big law and order guy. I used to like the FBI for the most part, um, but certainly local law enforcement. And there's this mantra of back the blue, back the blue, uh, mindless back the blue. And obviously, it's a reaction to, to BLM and Antifa on the left that they just want to burn down cities and you know, anarchy and commit violent crime, which obviously, you know, government was created to to preserve ordered liberty. So you don't have this uh, threat to individual liberty, which, um, you know, violence and anarchy certainly is. But then on the other end of the ledger, now we're seeing, oh, well, wait a minute. These governors and mayors during COVID, during, um, you know, anything really, any any federal tyranny, any state tyranny, uh, they, they'd be nothing without a police force. At the end of the day, if you're worried about tyranny, which we are now, we have anarcho-tyranny, so we're kind of sandwiched in between both. The tyranny's really growing. The police of any sort are really going to be the arm for that. And, you know, perhaps this is a loaded question to someone like you who's been a victim of this long before any of us were, but I think now we all see what you saw maybe a decade ago. We see it clearly. What's shocking me and a lot of my friends, is that you and I know a lot of people in law enforcement because a lot of them are our type of people. They really are. I mean, for the most part, especially until fairly recently, if you're one of these blue-haired, you know, 
sexual identity types. You're not going to go into law enforcement. You're not going to become a SWAT member. You know, um, certainly same thing in the, w- with, with the military. You're not going to you're, you're not going to be into that. But what we find shocking is that all these immoral things that are being done to our people, whether it's what happened to you both in, in uh, Clark County, Nevada, and in, and in Eastern Oregon, whether it's the COVID stuff, whether it's now the FBI, um, and, and literally going after people for, for their ideology, the, the people dissenting, and speaking out and whistleblowing are few and far between. I've seen a lot of photographs and videos from Idaho itself with a lot of law enforcement activity um, going after right-wingers, supposedly, and it all looked kind of like a false flag. It looked bizarre and almost staged. Um, So as governor, obviously we need law enforcement. How 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 do we parse this? Is it a matter that we need to more tightly... Um, define the purview of law enforcement. How do we deal with that double-edged sword? So, uh, you know, great, great question, great point. Um, there's a couple things that we need to do because, well, first of all, just to you know, be a second witness on what you you said and kind of re- uh, to reiterate is, you know, when you look at anything that's really gone bad uh, on a mass scale in any country in history, it was always pushed by, you know, what they would call officers of the government. Um, doesn't matter if you're talking about, you know, 1930s Germany or if you're in the Stalin area or, you know, it's always officers. And so we have to realize that, you know, there's a, uh, there's an, you know, extreme uh, direction that law enforcement can go that becomes very, very detrimental to, to the individuals in in any uh, jurisdiction. So uh, I think you pointed that out well. So what do we do in Idaho? Well, first of all, uh, I strongly believe that the sheriff has a key role in this. And the reason why I say that is because he is the only elected uh, uh, law enforcement officer uh, that, that is elected by the people. So if the people, if he is not acting appropriate according to you know the, the laws and, and and the people of of that area of that county he could be removed by the people but when you have city police structured the way it is and you have state police structured the way it is and you have federal police structured the way it is and they become abusive or overreaching or they become a massive tax uh, taxing upon the people there's no way for the people to correct it so I believe very strongly that most of our policing uh, actions, of policing and arresting uh, powers, should lie with the sheriff. Mm. And, and that corrects a tremendous amount of problems because then the people can correct the problems themselves uh, in what we call an election. And, um, and so that is a reality that we need to, you know, become aware of and, and our founders understood this and and they understood that that was the reason why uh, sheriffs were you know given policing and arresting power but we've created all these other types of policing agencies on a city and a state and a federal level uh that are basically unaccountable to the people you can't well it, it was from your situation that i learned about the blm 
police. <laughs> I, I never knew such a thing existed. And then we started to realize, I, I know at the time it spawned a national discussion on how every single federal agency seems to have a, a SWAT team, a tactical team, on the Department of Education, I mean, you name it. Yeah. So obviously that needs to go at a federal level. But I, I agree with you. I always said with COVID, I, I wanted to see every sheriff stand with their deputies, with their arms folded outside the businesses when state troopers were going to come and arrest people for opening their businesses during COVID. I mean, unbelievable. And say, no, this doesn't happen here. I want to see where the feds literally, I mean, now we have the whistleblower agent friend, uh, did an interview with the New York Post about how the, the FBI is literally uh, surveilling and monitoring and and investigating people that were never even at the Capitol. They can't even allege even a BS crime. Um, and I, I want a situation where we have a governor where we orchestrate that, hey, you know, um, you come here, uh, this is not a place for federal agents. If someone is not alleged to have committed a legitimate crime, uh, we're going to be a sanctuary for uh, for liberty. It. I, with with that in that vein, we're pretty much out of time. I, in that vein, I just want to know what you think of this idea. Um, I, I discussed this a little bit with Carrie Lake running for governor in Arizona. She seemed to endorse the idea, and Governor DeSantis has already done this. What do you think of an idea of a state guard? Um, so the National Guard of the state gets federalized at any time to get flung off for some nation building, you know, operation somewhere, but something that can't get federalized. That is really what the constitution calls a state militia. Is that helpful or harmful in your, in your view? So the U S code already authorizes that they have an organized militia and non-organized militia. The organized militia has basically come the national guard, uh, which is supposed to be the state guard. And I think it's very important that we, uh, you know, bring that power back to the state. The governor is supposed to be the chief uh, commanding officer of the, you know, the Idaho National Guard. It's been nationalized because of this liberal leftist agenda, and we need to bring it back. And we also need to promote the uh, unorganized militias in every county, every, you know, yes. city. And that needs to be exactly what we're talking about. People, able-bodied men and women that are not structured underneath a, a, a jurisdiction that are active and, and training and, and have equipment. And it's actually uh, uh, supposed to be promoted by the state. And if we yes. do not do this, we forget the very first sentence of the Second Amendment, which says a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. And then it says the right of the people to I keep a bare arm shall not be infringed. We cannot forget the first part of the Second Amendment, that it is necessary to have a well-regulated militia, both organized and unorganized, according to you know our yes. own laws, it is necessary to keep our states free. So I absolutely endorse Under that. the color of law, and that's the thing, they'll always call you a militiaman, which was always a, a, a fake moniker. The reality is, as you mentioned, the left argued that in court left and right to uh, negate an individual right to carry. They, they promoted that. The reality is they're both in the Second Amendment. And the reality is, yeah, we don't want vigilantes running around. What we do want is from the state, uh, as they envisioned, that it would be a bulwark against the standing army. And now the standing army, as I just wrote a column on this, you would really enjoy it. It's not just the military. Um, the FBI 
has greater capabilities, more manpower, more everything you can imagine than their worst nightmare of a standing army. And they do operate domestically in every state and all over the place. They are becoming tyrannically, tyrannical openly. You need to interpose against tyranny. And the best way is to bring it under the color of law of buy-in for the people of the localities, localism, uh, is is the way forward, but we need the red local areas to actually be red. We need Idaho to be Idaho. Where could people find more about your candidacy? So votebundy.com. It's just really simple. Votebundy.com. Go there, subscribe, get our gear, pass it out, and don't forget to contribute because you know we're running uh, a very powerful and a very effective uh, campaign here, and it costs a lot of money to get messages out. So votebundy. Dot com, uh, subscribe and contribute. Votebundy.com, folks. Uh, you know, again, we got Arizona that's important. We got Pennsylvania. But this might be the most important of all, not just because of Idaho itself, but this could possibly break through that mold. Votebundy.com. Amen. Good luck in everything. God bless you for your fight uh, for, for, for years. And uh, please keep us updated in the coming days. Thank you, Daniel. I really appreciate the opportunity. And- I enjoyed it, too. Thank you. Take care. So, folks, again, that was Ammon Bundy, a man before his time, ahead of his time. Um, Look, this is not exactly the paradigm that I laid out, because what I laid out was more of a fresh face that no one knew that's not so much associated with the right. But this is a little bit different, because, again, here, the Democrats are extremely weak. So the risk of splitting it, if you even care, which I don't, um, is much less. And moreover, as he mentioned, I forgot about this, Dorothy Moon um, became the state party chair. So in many respects, the, the state party leadership probably supports him quietly anyway. So this is a very different dynamic. I think if people would just flood the zone here, you could actually win this. And again, this could be done in every other state. It needs to be done. Right now, what you have is a lock of leftists on on the most the most conservative state. In, in many respects, it's even worse. See, if it's a fifty fifty state, so you have to fight the left for it or fight the Democrats for it. When you have these states, what they did is they just have the left run as Republicans, and then so well, what are you going to do? Republicans have super majorities. There's nowhere to go, so they just keep winning. These guys are worse than McConnell. They're horrible. Every one of them. Brad Little is a leftist. You can't just accept this because there's a fake R next to their name. This could be done in the Dakotas, Nebraska, Wyoming, all these type of states. It needs to be done. We need to break through the paradigm, have someone who's energetic, willing to barnstorm the state, has good ideas. Um, And look, you know, he's been dismissed by a lot of people, but tell me where he was wrong (laughs) On, on, on anything he fought for. He was ahead of his time. Um, sorry for the audio issues there. You know, Idaho is the way it is. He was in a remote part of the state. He's always traveling. He does campaign hard, and that's what you need. So I, I really think this one's worth it. It's not just um it's not just a statement. It's not just a protest vote, which I don't mind. I think in the long run there is utility to that too, eventually. But but here, look, I mean, if you just take the base of people um, remember, Brad Little only won about 52.8%, so almost half of the Republicans voted against him. And uh, there, there's what to work with there. There definitely is what to work with, and he certainly has my full support. Sorry I missed out on some of the other news today, but you know what are we going to do about it? And this is one of the things we can do if 
if Tucker and all these other guys would take up this call, Ammon would win, and it would catalyze an entire movement in many other states. And then if you have, let's, let me just say, you have a DeSantis plus in Idaho, Wyoming, the Dakotas, Nebraska, Montana. Let's, let's just say that. That's a different country. And again, the land use issue is, is huge. Minerals, energy, food, it all ties into this. How to break the government, the federal Bill Gates WEF alliance there. That's how you do it. It all ties back to that land use issue. Very, very important. Certainly a lot to digest. Let me know your comments, questions, concerns. I will be out tomorrow, but you could email me, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Till Thursday, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson-Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen.